Hey, church family, I'm so glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you who have tuned in online. We're so glad that you're a part of our Easter service. I want you to know something. Those of you that are right here in-house and those of you that are watching online, Miss Vicki and I have been praying for you, and we've been declaring God's grace over you and over your family. And we've been doing it regularly. And as you celebrate your Easter weekend, I want you to know that God's grace is on you. God's grace is on your family. And we've been declaring it over you. Amen? Amen. We've been on a four-week journey. And we've been walking with Jesus through the last week of his life. Now, we have not covered every detail. We have not covered every story because there's no way that we could do that. We looked at some of the highlights of the life of Jesus. And last week, we ended up at the Last Supper. And Jesus took his disciples, he gathered his boys, and they found a house that had a room upstairs, and they gathered there in that room, and they celebrated Passover, and they celebrated communion, and Jesus broke the bread, Jesus brought the cup, and they did it for the very first time. They left there. They went to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and the disciples were exhausted emotionally. They were exhausted and they couldn't stay awake. And Jesus went a little ways away from them and he prayed and he agonized. And the Bible says he sweat great drops of blood because he didn't want to die just like we don't want to die. Well, Judas comes and he brings the chief priest and the temple guard. Now, these aren't Roman guards. These are guards from the Jewish temple. And they arrest Jesus. Now, one thing that the Sadducees and Pharisees were is they were politicians. And they went to get Jesus at night because they were afraid of the people and they were afraid of the crowd. They took him to the house of Caiaphas, who was a high priest. And he didn't live in a house. He more like lived in a villa. Okay, these men were wealthy and powerful. And they had an outer court with this villa, and there they began to attack Jesus. They assaulted him. They insulted him. They put a blindfold on him and slapped him and said, hey, prophesy and tell us, tell us who slapped you. And there's a fire going on outside in the courthouse, and that's where Peter is with a group of people. And you remember Peter said, Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, you won't die. You'll, you'll betray me three times. And so uh, one of the little girls sitting at the fire says, hey, I know you, you're a Galilean. And he says, no, I'm not. And he denies him. And it says, Jesus looked right at him. Then he got up and ran out of the courtyard. And it says in the Bible that he wept bitterly. Well, they do this to Jesus literally all night long until six in the morning. And then they take him in front of Pilate. Pilate is a Roman governor, and he's a politician also. And he asked Jesus, they say, you're king of the Jews. Are you king? And he says, you say that I am. Another one of the gospels says that he says, I am, but I'm not of a kingdom of this world. Well, Pilate doesn't want anything to do with this. He knows why the uh, high priests want to kill him. He knows what their political motive is. And so he sends him across town in Jerusalem to Herod. Now, he and Herod are political rivals, and they're both rulers. Well, Herod's excited because he thinks maybe Jesus might do a few parlor tricks. You know, maybe he'll do something. Well, when he refuses to do anything, he tires of him quickly, and they mock him, and they make fun of him, and they send him back to Pilate. 
We talked about this last week. Then Pilate gets him before the crowd and says, this man's innocent. This man is righteous. Why don't we let him go? And they say, no, crucify him. Away with him. And so they release Barabbas, who is a murderer and a rebel. And we found out last week, I'm Barabbas. You are Barabbas. You see, I'm guilty. You're guilty. And the guilty were set free, and the innocent was condemned. So Jesus was turned over to the Roman soldiers, and they whipped him. They flogged him mercilessly, viciously. It was horrible, horrible. They forced him to carry a cross. He can't carry it very far because he's so weak from the beating, and he drops it. And so they force another man to carry his cross, and they carry it outside the gate to Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And at 9 o'clock on Friday morning, he's nailed to a Roman cross between two thieves, the only Son of God. God allows himself to be crucified. I think that's amazing. Jesus said himself, he said, no one takes my life from me. No one. I lay it down. I willingly give it. He's on the cross for three hours till noon, and it says that all the land became dark. The sun is in the sky, and it's noon, and from one moment to the next, it's dark. Now, it doesn't say it was cloudy. It says it was dark, like night. I wonder what they must have thought. He's on the cross three more hours till three in the afternoon, and at three in the afternoon, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says, it is finished. And the scripture says, he breathed his last and he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the veil in the Jewish temple was torn in two. We talked about this last week. It was called the Holy of Holies. It was where the Spirit of God resided. And the high priest only went in there once a year, just like Kurt said. He only went in there once a year to cover the sins of the people. And that curtain, that veil, which they say, some say is 40 feet tall to 60 feet tall, that was four inches thick and weaved out of some type of different types of animal hair. It was ripped in half from top to bottom. And the Spirit of God moved out of the temple and he moved into us. Amen? He moved into us. Now, you see, I'm the walking temple of God. Mike is the walking temple of God. He dwells in me. Now, he only comes in if he's invited. He doesn't just automatically come in. But I invited him in when I was 12 years old, and I know that I'm the walking temple of God, and I know that you that invited Christ into your life, you're the walking temple of God. That happened the moment he died. Then it says there was a great earthquake, and boulders were split in two. Then it said that tombs burst open. Now, the graves then weren't like the graves now. They didn't bury people in the ground. They would dig a hole in the side of a, of a mountain, inside of a rock, and they would hew out a hole, and they would place the deceased in there, and then they would seal it with a heavy stone where no one could bother the, the deceased. And it says that those tombs burst open. It says the righteous dead, the holy dead, came out of their graves and went into Jerusalem. Now, that happens twice. It says in Scripture it happened the moment he died, and it says it happened the moment he was resurrected. And there are dead people walking around in Jerusalem, maybe your cousin or your uncle, maybe your granddad, I don't know. 
And they're saying, man, Jesus is alive. Jesus is king. That happened at the resurrection. So Jesus is dead at three in the afternoon. And it says the disciples went into hiding. Can you imagine what they must have thought? I mean, can you imagine their dreams, their hopes, their plans, what what we're going to do, what's going to happen? And Jesus somehow manages to get himself killed, and now he's dead, and all that's over and done, and they go into hiding. Well, there's a man named Joseph of Arimathea, and the Bible says that he was wealthy and that he was a disciple of Christ. And he goes to Pilate, and he begs for Jesus' body. And Pilate is surprised that he's already dead. He's surprised. Listen, crucifixion could take days. When they would nail you to the cross, it could literally take days to die. It was a horrific way to be executed. It was torturous, and they did it to control the people. You didn't want that to happen to you. So he was surprised that he had already died. You remember the Roman soldier put a spear in his side, and blood and water came out just to make sure that he was dead. So he goes to him and says, can I have his body? And Pilate says, yes, you can. So they take the body of Christ, the lifeless body of Christ, off the cross, and they wrap him in fresh linen, and they place him in the tomb that Joseph had just built, and they slide him and place him in that tomb, and then they roll a massive stone over it, and they go home. Let me read to you tonight Matthew 28, verse 1. NIV, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Let me read that to you again. There was a violent earthquake. When, apparently, when angels land, there's earthquakes. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Notice they only sent one. And he went to the tomb and he rolled back the stone, which weighed thousands of pounds. And he jumped up and he sat on it. I love that picture. His appearance was like lightning. He looked, don't you love that? One angel looked like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. Now, let's stop right there. You see, the religious leaders, after he died, after Joseph took him and put him in the tomb, they were afraid that the disciples would steal his body and perpetrate a hoax that he had risen from the dead because he said he was going to rise. So the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they went to Pilate and they said, would you please place a guard on the tomb so they can't do that, so they can't steal him. So he sent a guard. Now, guard wasn't one Roman soldier. It was 16 Roman soldiers, and they went to guard the tomb. And it says they put a seal on it, which means they poured hot wax between the stone and the the mountain, and they put a Roman insignia on it. And it was like if you were to do the same thing on a letter. It was a Roman seal that said, don't touch this tomb. Because if you broke a Roman seal, you had to deal with Rome. Okay. Now, let me continue to read. The guards, all 16 of them, were so afraid they shook and became like dead men. Now, they didn't faint. The Bible calls it being slain in the Spirit. They fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. 
they literally collapsed on the ground. All 16 of them. I, I love what it says. It says that they became like dead men. They shook. Now, as this is happening, the women are coming up. And the angel says to the women, don't be afraid. I'm, I'm not here to hurt you. I love that. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. I love that. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them very much alive. I love what he says. Greetings. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clapped his, clasped his feet. They fall on the ground, and they hold his feet, and they worship him. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee because there they will see me. Let's jump down to Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I find that amazing. You saw him dead. Now he's alive. I, I, I guess maybe just to be kind to him, they couldn't believe their eyes, right? I mean, they couldn't believe this. You know, they'd seen people be crucified, but they'd never seen anybody raised from the dead. Jesus came to them and said, I love this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me say it one more time. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus also said, I'm the only way to the Father. No one comes to him except by me. He also said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. In Power Kids, we have an old highway sign, and it says one way. And we use it all the time. Last night, I had Avery Birkenfeld come up on the platform. She helps lead worship and does such a fantastic job, and she holds that sign up, and the kids all see it, and they know what it is. And then she talked about how Jesus is the only way to heaven, that there isn't any other way. Now, when they get older, we all know they're going to hear from somebody, aren't they? They're going to hear from somebody. Oh, man, there's many ways to heaven, but that's not what Jesus said. Therefore, he said, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, let me jump to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Listen, Jesus is alive, and his grave is empty. And because you and I know Christ, you're alive, and your grave will be empty. Now, let me finish what it says. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. 
and spoke about the kingdom of God. I, I, can you imagine that? It's over a month. 40 days. How come there's nothing in the Bible about Herod wanting to meet with him or Pilate wanting to meet with him or the uh, Pharisees wanting to meet with him? He walked around for 40 days. I, I just, you know, I can't imagine what it was like for his enemies. Well, we couldn't even kill him. <laughs> right? You know, we couldn't even kill him. I, I'm sure they were afraid. Wouldn't you believe it? They were. And they stayed away from him. But it says right here that he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, let me go to John 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book, the book of the Bible. Now, listen to this. But these are written. You know why the Bible was written? It was written so you would believe. That's what it says. Listen to it. But it was written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. Now, the Bible has so many different benefits, so many different things, and we talk about them all the time, and there's so much to the Bible. But if I could bring it all down tonight to one thing, it says the Bible was written for one reason. So you would believe, and so you would have life. Because, see, if you don't believe, you don't have life. But if you believe, you have life. And that's why the Bible was written. So you would hear these stories, and you would think to yourself, I believe that. Happened to me at 12 years old at my mom's house, my dad's house. The pastor came over and shared the gospel. And I said, I believe I'll have some of that. If you're doing double dips, I'll have a double. And I believed. And at that moment, I became alive. I'm grateful tonight for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that heaven is my home I'm grateful that you are my brother and sister in Christ. I'm grateful that we're going to spend eternity together. When we get there, the only thing they're going to ask is, who'd you bring with you? Who'd you bring with you? I want everybody I know to know Christ. I want everybody you know to know Christ, to hear the simple story of the gospel that Jesus died and he's alive and my sins have been washed away and I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. And heaven is your home because of it. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? Father God, I want to thank you for those in the house I want to thank you for those watching online. And I just want to ask you a simple question. Have you believed and have you been made alive? It says right here, I just read it to you. But these things were written that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in His name. If you've not believed, the Scripture says you don't have life. 
I don't want to close this Easter service and not give you an opportunity to believe, not give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Not give those of you watching online an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You're here, you say, Pastor, I want to believe. Can I get you to slip your hand up and say yes to Jesus tonight? Pastor, I want Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you. They're all over the room. All over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to say yes to Jesus. I want you to get on the comments below and say, hey, I said yes to Jesus while watching the Easter service. Now we're going to pray a believer's prayer. And I want you to repeat it after me. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Coming back alive for me. And giving me eternal life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, in Power Kids, we can't do an altar call. Because all 90 of them will come forward. And they'll come forward every single week. And we're okay with that. Don't get me wrong. We want to make sure they know Jesus. Amen. Those of you that raised your hands and prayed that prayer, I want you to know I'm proud of you. Those of you online that prayed that prayer, I want you to know I'm proud of you. I want you to know we're praying for you. We love you. I'm so glad that you're in the kingdom. And there's only one downside to it. You're going to have to be with me for eternity. But maybe your house will be a ways away from mine. Amen. Praise God. Would y'all stand up, please? Let me pray a closing prayer as we celebrate our, the last moments of our Easter service. Father God, thank you tonight for Easter. Thank you for the beginning of our Easter weekend, for our first service here, that your grace is on our families, our loved ones, as we celebrate together, whatever that looks like, Father that Jesus, you are the center of our lives and our families. We're so grateful for Easter weekend. We're so thankful for what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.